Y'all can open your, with me if you would your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. We're doing a series on faith, and it's going to, we've been, this is the third week that we, uh, on a Sunday morning, and we're probably, I would say two, two or three more weeks at least, um, and I've been looking forward to this, I'm excited about it. The Bible says the just shall live by faith, and so it is a, it's a walk of God, uh, with God, the only way we're going to know God and please God is, is by faith. And so we're doing a study, and just to let you know, the first week we basically talked about what faith is and what faith is not. What it is and what it is not. Last week we talked about how faith obtains. Uh, by, by it, the Bible says, the elders obtained a good report. They had a good testimony for the Lord, from the Lord and, and for the Lord. And let's look at this in Romans 10, Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? Now keep in mind we're talking about faith, all right? How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yea, yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. And so we're going to look at this for a little bit this morning, and talk about, uh, you have to have faith. Okay, it's required, I guess you would say. The one thing that would be required by the Lord for mankind is to believe in Him. To believe in Him. To believe in Him to be Savior, the forgiver of sins, and the eternal God, and, and everything that He says about Himself. That would be the one thing that's required. It's not required that men be sinless or anything like this. That's only possible by the blood of Jesus and Him working in us, by the, the new birth. But He does require for men to have faith without faith. This scripture you'll hear all through this series, Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please God, please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe, two things, must believe that He is, that God is, that He exists in three persons, like He says He does, and that He is a re rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. A man has to believe that. Without that faith, not, not Star Wars Force faith, uh, not positive thinking faith, not uh, pumping yourself up with, you know, certain positive thoughts, but biblical, true faith in the living God is revealed in His Word. Without that faith, it is impossible to please Him. Not that it's difficult to please Him. It's hard. It's impossible, the Bible says, to please God without faith. God holds the individual person responsible for his or her own faith. Now, this is what we're going to talk about. I want you to stay with me. It's not that we're, we're not helped by God. I'm saying that God help, holds the individual responsible for his or her own faith, their belief in Jesus Christ, or their unbelief in Christ Jesus. He holds the individual responsible. In fact, we're judged by God, all men, based on whether or not we're in Christ or out of Christ. Whether, whether we not we put our faith in Jesus Christ or not. All have sinned. The Bible makes that very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
But we're not judged based on just that. We're separated from God by our sin, and the wages of sin is death. But we're going to be judged by the Lord on whether or not we trusted in Christ. Did we believe in Him? Did we put our faith in the Lord? Because the Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. We're going to have one of these sermons coming up real soon in this series that's dealing strictly with saving faith and salvation, how it's by faith. But God holds the individual, individual responsible for his or her own belief or unbelief in him. And though God requires faith of men and in men, he also is gracious to help men to believe. And we read this passage that um, have they not all heard? Yes, they have all heard. God, God has given a testimony. He's given this, we're going to talk about this morning, a witness of himself to where men, men could believe in him and can believe in him. He, he requires faith, but he also enables men to have faith. That would, would, would not be fair of God, you, you could say, if God was a judge of all the earth and he's going to judge men on their belief or unbelief, but yet it was impossible for men to believe, then it wouldn't be very just of the Lord and the Bible says, and, and Abraham called him this, should not the judge of all the earth do right? He's a righteous judge. Jehovah Shaphat is one of the names of the Lord, the Lord, the righteous judge. And it came in that context when the Lord says, you're not going to just, uh, Abraham's pleading for his nephew Lot because he knows Sodom's going to, and Gomorrah about to be destroyed. And Abraham is interceding for his nephew who lives there. And he says, you're not, you wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. You wouldn't destroy the righteous as though they were wicked. Far be that from you, Lord. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I think it's wonderful when we speak rightly of God like that. He hears that. I think it pleases him. I think he responds to that. It shows that we know something about him. That he wants us to know about him. And one of the things is he's a righteous judge. So he wouldn't require faith in men. For their eternity and their salvation, heaven and hell hanging in the balance for an individual's life. He wouldn't require faith in a man or a woman and then make it impossible for them to have faith in him. And this is what we're going to talk about, how the Lord helps us. Faith, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So the Lord demands faith. In Jesus Christ on the part of men. And he, he provides all that is needed. Listen to what I'm saying. I believe this from the word of God. He provides all that is needed in order for a man to believe in him. Now all men don't. All men won't believe in God. We know that. Okay. Why is the, the road that leads to, to destruction and many there be that they go in that way. But... But he requires and provi I mean, provides all that a man would need to put their trust in him. I'm talking about to put your complete eternity trust in Christ and him alone. He provides that. And so there is no reason for a man not to believe in the Lord. There's no real reason. You understand? There's no valid excuse. And the Bible says this as well. There's no valid excuse that anyone has to not believe in Christ, the Lord. Okay? Um, he has given to men all that are needed, that's needed for men to trust in Him. 
That's comforting to me. That God's not playing favorites. God's not picking and choosing. I don't believe in the doctrine of Calvinism. I don't believe that. I believe that whosoever will can come. There are some mysteries about the sovereignty of God. There are some mysteries about election and so forth. I don't think it's ever speaking of election, which is mentioned in the Bible. This is not a sermon on that, but I don't ever believe, see election as being uh, for a man's individual eternity. We see uh, Israel was elected of God. People can be elected and called of God for different things. God has uh, elected us in Christ to do and be certain things in Jesus. But I don't see where God chooses you're going to hell and you're going to heaven. Okay, so that's a sermon for another day. But there's no um, valid reason for men not to put their trust in Jesus Christ. What has the Lord given us? This is what we're going to look at today. What has God given men? Men in the jungles, men that don't have a street on a church on every corner of their street. Uh, and we, we think about those things sometimes, and I think we should think about those things sometimes, but we're answered back from the Word of God, okay? God takes care of the people that are in the jungles. He's given us His testimony. He has given us His Word. He has given us all men in conscience, that when He created it, now that conscience can become defiled, the Bible says, but when He created the individual little baby, okay, that He created in His own image, it wasn't defiled. The conscience in that young person was not defiled. And so he's given us these things. He's given us um, his word, and specifically in his word, what has he given us to believe in him? He's given prophecies that are fulfilled, that he spoke and that he fulfilled. And this is not a whole sermon on fulfilled prophecy, but I do want to read this. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah 44. I remember when Dave Hunt used to come preaching. And I would hear him and read his newsletters, how much it ministered to me. And he would go to these passages. And I want to go to them and, and look at them right now. Uh, Isaiah 44, let's just read 6 through 8. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And who, as I, shall call and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming, so that's future things, and, and shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Skip, skip to uh, chapter 46, Isaiah 46, and let's read 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Here's one of the things that is about a characteristic of God that is unlike any other manufactured idol or God. Here's what he says. There's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. Just picture that in your mind. Are we studying the book of Revelation in Sunday school? Is that not the end as far as uh, what's coming for us? Alright? And he says, declaring the end, when did he declare it? From the beginning. I declared it from the beginning. We can't even pick the next baseball game that LSU's going to win, you know, or, or something like that, or who's going to win an election. And, and yet, the Lord declares all things, declaring the Amen. end 
from the beginning. Well, this is part of the testimony that he's given of himself. This is why men are without excuse to not believe in God, because there's no one else like God. And specifically, he's saying in this area, there's many areas there's no one like God, but this is one of them. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. What is he saying? He's going to do it. He's saying it. He's saying it way back here in time. He's saying because he's Alpha and Omega, okay? What's going to happen? He's Almighty God. And nobody else can do it. And nobody's going to stop his plan from being fulfilled. Amen. And it's Thank going to be fulfilled exactly like he said it was going to be Amen. fulfilled. And that is part of the testimony that God has given of himself, okay? That men are without excuse to not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He reveals him by his Holy Spirit. That's another thing he's given us. The Holy Ghost, when He comes, He will reprove or convince or convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. We need to be convinced of those things, of sin. I'm a sinner, okay? I need a Savior of righteousness, that He's righteous and I'm not. And of judgment, there's a coming judgment and I'll stand before God one day. I'm not getting away with it. God's not winking at it. It doesn't go unnoticed. He, the Holy Ghost convinces us of that, mm -hmm. of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He does that with lost men, praise God, and He does that with saved men. Holy Ghost convicts me of things every day and reminds me of things and reveals things to me and pricks my heart and steers me and, and, and brings me to confession and, and to repent to the Lord and so forth. Look at your Bibles at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I pray that you know the Lord this morning. I pray you've come to a place... Uh, where you've believed in the Lord with his saving faith and trust in the Lord and walk with him. If not, you can, even this morning. But look at 1 John 5. We're going to read 6 through 10. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, that means gives a record or testimony, because the Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit is given to, to men. The Holy Spirit is given for the purpose of, one of the purposes of, of pricking the hearts of lost men, taking Christ and revealing them to them, showing them their sinful state, and bringing them into salvation. Okay? And always at work in the life of a believer. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth, we're talking about faith. He that believeth on the Son of God hath this witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. We're not really making God a liar, where it's like we're making him out to be a liar, so to speak. We're not, we're not testifying rightly of God. Mm -hmm. He that believes not is basically calling God a liar. We've made him in our minds. We might not say those words, but anyone who said, He that believeth not on the Son of God had, uh, had made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Past tense, gave. He's still bearing witness of this record of this testimony. Just picture it this way. God the Father has declared Jesus to be Christ. And he's declared himself to be God. 
and that Jesus is deity and he's the second person of the Trinity and all men need to put their trust in him. He's declared that truth to all men and he's doing everything he can short of usurping the free will that he's given us, okay, to bring men to put their faith and trust in Christ. Fulfilling prophecies, Holy Ghost convincing and convicting our hearts, giving us the word of God. We'll look at some more things here in a moment. And whoever does not believe, it's as though they're making out God to be a liar. God says, no, this is the record of my son. Look at it. We have Genesis through Revelation. It's all a record of his son. And it's, I don't believe that. Well, then you're saying, I don't believe you, God. I don't believe the record that you've given of your son. You've said it, but I don't believe it. So therefore, you're calling God a liar. I don't know. I'm just kind of summarizing this. That's what he's saying here. And so, uh, the Bible says that all men don't have faith. I just want to read this. You don't have to turn there for time's sake. Finally, finally, brethren, pray for us, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. You ever thought about that scripture? It says all men don't have faith. Well, that's pretty obvious when we look around that all men don't have faith. But there's a scripture that tells us. And the Bible says we don't believe. It's not just, oh, poor, poor souls, they just can't believe. And the Bible calls it something different. The Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. Because he has given that record that is so clear and given his spirit and given the fulfilled prophecies. And we're going to look at some other things he's given as well. And when that person, it's almost like they're bucking up against it. It's a rebellion to not believe in God. I'm talking about saving faith, believing, falling on our feet before the Lord. It's a rebellion. It's a hardness of heart because he has so clearly and plainly revealed himself. And Paul says they're unreasonable and wicked men. Deliver us from that. We want the word of God to go forth and have free course. Just picture like a, you're digging a drainage ditch and you want that water to flow. That's how he wants the word of God to go. Right into the hearts of men. And then people believe when he's preaching. He says, but all men don't have faith. But I will say this, all men could have faith, right? And all men should have faith. That's where it is the personal responsibility. That's where God's not just um, electing certain people to have faith and electing certain not. I don't see that teaching at all in the Bible. And, and even if the things we've just read this morning, all men could have faith. I will go a step further to say all men, according to the word of God, should have faith. They should believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and in God Almighty who is ever faithful. Amen. When he comes back and the, and the Bible says on a white horse at the end of the tribulation, right? The second coming of the Lord, he's got a name written on him. And his name is written faithful and true. He's a faithful God, amen? And we ought to put our faith in him and believe him. And it was vain is the help of man, and men are not faithful, even the best of men, but God is. And so uh, no man can be sinless or righteous or just on their own, but all men can come to Christ, amen? So think about it. He, he's not looking for people that are on their own. But they've done a pretty good job of cleaning themselves up from their sin. They've done a pretty good job of straightening out their life and getting out of addictions and things that are immoral. And so uh, that doesn't please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Nobody can fix themselves up before God, but all men can put their trust in Jesus. Mm. All men can. All men can. The people you and I think of, we think, well, they'll never be saved. They can be saved. Mm -hmm. They may not be, but they can. Mm -hmm. There's nothing preventing them from being saved and putting their trust in Jesus other than themselves. The hardness of their hearts, the evil heart of unbelief. God requires men to believe, and God desires men to believe. And God makes it possible for men to believe. Think about this. He's on our side. The worst sinner that you can think of, maybe it was you, maybe it was me, maybe it's somebody we think of that's alive in the world today. The worst sinner in the world, God is on their side in the sense of he's trying to reach them to bring them to salvation. God so loved the world. He is, the Bible says, the friend of sinners. Friend of sinners, okay? And so, just listen to a couple of scriptures here. No man can come unto me, Jesus said, except the Father which had sent me draw him. So we start thinking, oh, well, then it's up to God. He's got to draw us. And I will raise him up at the last day. But Jesus says this, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father but the Son. Save, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. The very next scripture, you say, okay, well, then, then I, I can't be saved. I need God to, to do all this stuff. But I need him to reveal the Son to me. The point is, he is doing that. He's doing that for every man. Because right after he says, no man knows the Son but the Father, no man knows the Father but the Son, and whoever he reveals him to, the very next scripture says, come unto me. Amen. All ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Thank you. So the invitation is there. He is strong. A point about this, and I think God wants us to know this, God is constantly, actively, continually, effectively, powerfully drawing men unto himself. He's at work when we're sleeping. He doesn't sleep or slumber. So we don't have to worry. It's God doing his part in order for men to be saved. What about those poor people in a jungle tribe in, in, in Colombia that have never heard? You know, God is actively at work drawing men to himself. He is doing it. We don't have to worry. He is drawing men. He's not sleeping. He's, he's not asleep on the job. All men have been created, the Bible says all men, okay? Created in the image of God. Man is totally, we're, we're part of creation, but we're so separated from the rest of creation, specifically in that sense, that man, sinful men, the worst of sinners, all of us, were created in the image of God. And in, in being such, being created in the image of God, there is the possibility of, uh, for men to, to to reason with God. I say it all the time, the little squirrels running up and down the trees, they're, they were created by God, and they're doing just what they're supposed to do. They're not reasoning with God. Okay? They're not discerning morally good and evil, light and darkness, of God, not of God. They're perfectly fulfilling what they were supposed to do. But man, let us create man in our image. It says in the sixth day of creation. So God created man in his image. And he gave him dominion over all things. And he says, invites man to come reason with him. And he came and communed with man in the garden. Man has, even lost men and sinful man, still are created in the image of God. And still have the capability, that's what I would call the capability, to discern good and evil. To know right from wrong. They might still choose the wrong. 
They might choose it all their life, okay, and die that way. But they have the capability to discern good and evil, to know right and wrong, at least until their conscience might become uh, so defiled. But um, men can know the Lord. Men can walk with the Lord. Um, God, God can, all men can respond to these testimonies of the Lord. To what I would call the wooing of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So like he's reaching out to people. People in the jungle can respond to that pricking in the heart, to the awakening in the conscience or the mind or the heart. However God is trying to touch them, they might not have full knowledge of everything. I don't have full knowledge of everything, nor do you. They might have far less, but every man can respond to the measure of light that Christ shines upon their hearts and lives. Mm -hmm. All right? All men can respond to his voice, to his calling, because uh, the Lord is drawing, drawing near. He's revealed himself by miracles. He's revealed himself by the Holy Spirit. He's revealed himself by the word of God. Uh, he, he, he can't, all men can respond to him. And so uh, by faith, and they come and put their trust in him. In him. And if men could not do this, y'all, then nobody would be saved. Think about it. If we could not respond, hey, you know, let's say you're 25 years old and you're going through life and um, living your life this way, and all of a sudden you start to feel a conviction about your lifestyle. And you, you begin to, something in you begins to stir and awaken. This, this life I'm living is not right. I'm going to be accountable for that. Well, that's the Lord. And maybe the next day, someone sends someone that you like to preach the gospel to you. You know, and, and that's more light. And the man can respond to that. They can shove it under the rug and kick it away, but they can also say, yes, Lord, what are you trying, what is going on? What are you saying now? What's happening in my life now? And somebody shares the gospel and you say, can I be saved like that? Yes, you can be saved too. And they take another step. They give it, you know what I mean? You can, people can respond. If nobody could respond, then nobody would ever be saved. Men can believe. All men can believe. The worst of sinners can believe and respond to the Lord. And uh, I want you to read this. This is for the last passage we'll turn to in Romans chapter 1. I've been hitting all around it, and I want to I read it. Romans 1, 18 through 20. You're going to recognize this very... As soon as we start reading it, Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Behold the truth and unrighteousness. It's kind of like making God out to be a liar. He's testified of his son. That's the truth. And then he holds men responsible for what they do with that truth. We are totally responsible for what we do with the truth. And Jesus is the truth. And his word is truth. The testimony of his son. And said, but there, there are men who hold the truth of, of Christ and of God. They hold it as being unrighteous. They hold it as being not true to themselves. It's not true to them. They don't want to believe it. They know it's the truth, but they don't refuse to believe the truth. God judges them for that. The wrath of God is revealed against them. And if they don't repent, they'll experience that wrath for all eternity. All right? They can't repent, though. Listen to this. Here's more specifics. Verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Again, I think it's manifest means declared. 
declared to them or revealed in them and to them. The Lord is doing His job as far as revealing Himself to men. I'm not saying that everybody on the planet has equal amount of light, of Christian light. I think in our country we're very blessed because there is so much gospel light, I guess you would say. I'm saying everybody on the planet, whatever age they've lived in, whatever their circumstances, in a Muslim country we can't even have a Bible publicly and so forth, um, still there's a measure of light. It's enough light to lead them to the next step. It's enough light to bring them to eventually to come into Christ. We hear about it. We read about people that are... Um, I've read, I've heard testimonies, okay, in, our, in recent years of people that were Muslim terrorists from some of these Muslim countries that were in prison and um, had dreams about God, about Jesus Christ specifically. Now, I've not had a dream like this. I'm simply saying God can do it. Mm -hmm. Came to these people uh, in a dream and said, Allah's not, not the God. I'm Jesus Christ. I'm God. And this person wakes up, and all they've known their whole life is Islam and terrorism and, and so forth. And they pray, well, if you're real, then I don't need to know about you. I need to have a Bible. And literally, a prison guard doesn't say a word to him. He comes to him the next day and says, this is for you. And hands him a Bible. Now, you tell me God can't save whoever he wants to save. If you give that measure of light, and we walk in the light that he's given us, he says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Past tense, he showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, listen, so that they are without excuse. The people that have the truth, but they don't cling to it as truth, they hold the truth in unrighteousness, not affecting their hearts and lives. They got the truth. They don't believe the truth. God uh, holds them without excuse. They are without excuse. Because God is saying, I have done it. I have revealed the truth to them. I hold them responsible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But we can have faith. All men don't have faith, but all men could have faith. And all men should have faith. Uh, I was thinking about this for if for any man, you or me, any of us sitting here, the fact that any of us ever came to Christ and came out of our sins, came to our senses like the prodigal son, basically, said he came to himself and repented and said, bing, the light bulb comes on, I need to go home. Okay? Amen. And we go home to the Lord, okay? In the, in the sense of salvation. The fact that anybody's ever saved is a miracle. Amen. But I'll tell you what's even a, a bigger miracle to me, almost, is that somebody having God love them and reveal so much to them would not come to the Lord. It's almost a, a bigger, it's more amazing, I guess you would say, mm -hmm. that somebody would not come to Christ. I don't know how you, you measure what's more amazing, but I always think it's amazing that anybody ever gets saved. But with all that the Lord's doing, He came to seek and save the lost, and He's actively doing that all the time. When we haven't witnessed anybody in six months, He's still witnessing, okay, uh, that somebody would have that much light given to them and not surrender to the Lord and not repent. Um, Jesus said, my father worketh hitherto and I work. He's always at work. 
We talked about he's drawing men. Come unto me, all that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Mm -hmm. What kind of rest? You'll find rest for your souls. Mm -hmm. It's a soul rest. It's a saving rest. It's a letting the breath out. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm saved from my sin. I'm saved from the power of sin. I'm saved from a life of trying to please God through good works. Mm -hmm. I'm saved by his grace. Mm -hmm. and it's, uh, thank, you. thank you, Lord. Thank you. He's drawing men. He's working to do that. He, we're object of, of his affection. We're an object of his desire. He requires men to have faith, and he desires men to have faith and to turn to him. And he's manifest everything so perfectly through Jesus Christ. That's the one fun. All the prophets and prophecies are, are revealing enough about the Lord, but he says he's revealed himself perfectly through Christ. In him draws all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay? In the past times past, Hebrews 1, God spoke to us by the prophets in different ways. In these last days, he's spoken unto us by his Son. By whom he made all things and upholds all things by his word. And so it, it's amazing, you know, that, that anybody can ever be saved, but it's amazing when people have a choice to make and they are not saved because he is so at work to do that. Jesus, I know I've shared this before many times, but there was only two things that we read in the scriptures that Jesus ever was amazed with. How could God be amazed with anything? He made it all, okay? Volcano doesn't amaze him. We'd be like, wow. You know, and, and uh, to him, it's, he made it. It's nothing, all right? Two things that it says he marveled at. One was the faith of the centurion. When he says, my servant's at home sick. Come and, and Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And, and the centurion says, I'm not even worthy. Just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, I've not seen so great, he says he marveled, and I've not seen so great faith, not in Israel. Let it be unto you as you believe his servant was healed that very hour. So he was like, wow. He's not even a Jew, you know, with all the, uh, growing up in the, the heritage of Abraham and all the, the traditions and the law and everything, covenants pertaining to him. And yet he believed, okay? And he, he was amazed when he went to his hometown, he said they were offended at him. And he, he marveled at their unbelief, and he could not do many miracles there, except he, he healed a few sick folk, the Bible says. But he didn't do the great many multitudes of miracles like he did in other places. But he was amazed at their unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. So both are having to do with faith, right? Faith or unbelief. And so it says here that when somebody does not put their trust in the Lord, that they are without excuse. And, you know, it's almost like the Lord's it, just saying, Randy, why didn't you do such and such? Maybe at the great white, I mean, at the judgment seat of Christ for believers, and, and I'm just speechless, and I, I have no excuse. I, I should have God. You know what I mean? You can't even answer. Why didn't you give more money? Why didn't you witness to your neighbors more? Why didn't you? And I'm just speechless. And, and that to me, that, that means uh, when it says they are without excuse for not believing in the Lord, Romans 1, uh, because he's revealed so much to them, that word uh, without excuse means indefensible, inexcusable. And so there's no defense for that. There's no defense for not believing God. He is trustworthy. He's faithful. He's revealed himself. And I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but 
what can be known about God. Like I said, at least enough to bring us to, into a saving relationship with Him. What can be known to God, God has manifest to all men. And so He, he showed it to them, specifically He says. And through His creation, by His Holy Spirit testifying to men's heart, by the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, that's the instrument that the Lord uses. Uh, men are saved by believing in Jesus Christ. They hear, they understand, they believe. It all comes. And they trust in the Lord. They repent. They give their lives to Christ. They believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they yield to His Lordship. That's how man is saved. But what about us as believers that are saved? Believers are built up in our faith. We're built, as we walk with the Lord... We've been saved. We walk with Christ day by day. We walk in the light of His Word. And the first passage we read from Romans 10, and so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's not just for saving faith. That's for your faith and my faith today. That's for your faith on Monday morning when you wake up. Like I said, who knows? By the time we get home tonight, this afternoon, turn on the TV what breaking news may be. What catastrophe. The people on the morning of December 7, 1941, they weren't expecting Pearl Harbor. Okay, it changed changed the nation, it changed the world. 9-11, um, you know, I can remember. Those, things like that happen, and yet God's building up our faith through the Word of God. That doesn't, I'm going to need, I'm going to need to trust God tomorrow, is what I'm saying. I'm going to need to trust Him day by day in the mundane things, and in the, in the, the big things and in everything. But it happens, it comes from the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Uh, come, cometh right there means it means to supply. Okay? It's supplied to us by the Word of God. Faith is supplied by the Word of God. So we meditate on it, we think on it, we obey it, we walk in the Word of God. And um, the Apostle said this in, to, to Jesus. Uh, the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Luke 17, 5. So they believed, but they knew they needed their faith to be strengthened. And I would say that's where every one of us is until the Bible says faith will end in sight. So there's a coming a point when we see the Lord. I'm talking about seeing him like, and we're with him, and we're in glory, and we're not on this earth anymore. We received our glorified body, or, and we're with the Lord, and all the struggles with sin and temptation. All that's far behind us. Faith will end in sight. But it hasn't ended yet. Because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And, and Moses endured to see in him who's invisible. And the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. That's a good prayer, by the way. That's a good one to go to is the Lord. And he's going to send us back to his word. And he's going to want us to trust him. Like take what you've learned and step out and obey this at work tomorrow. <laughs> Try me and see. Test me and see. And we step out a little bit, like we've never gone quite this far. And we step out a little in faith, and we see God, God's faithful. He held me up. I was scared to go there before. Even as a believer, I was scared to go there. And the Lord led me. And in His Word, and I trusted the promises of God. I stood, literally stepped out on the promise of God, and it held me. And he'll hold us on all those promises because he's behind all of his promises. That's how our faith comes. Thank you. That's how our faith is increased. 
They watched Jesus raise, rise from the dead. They were uh, later baptized the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Peter's raising people from the dead. And, and uh, Paul's raising people from the dead and so forth. The Lord does it. So I just want to close with this. Uh, when our faith is weak, I'm talking about as a believer. When our faith is weak, and there are times that our faith is weak. Would you be honest and admit that in your own life? There's times when your faith is weak. Uh, you're still a believer, you're still hanging on to God, but you're struggling. Maybe because of circumstances, situations, fatigue, whatever. Maybe you've been neglecting the Word, maybe you've been neglecting prayer, and you're, you're struggling your faith. We find uh, ourselves doubting, we find ourselves fearing and troubled. The answer is to go to the Lord. Can't see. I can't see clearly. It looks hazy. God, I don't like it. I can't see what's going on right now. Uh, our circumstances. We can see the circumstances, but we can't seem to see God. But He wants us to see God, and He's going to direct us back to His Word. David said, "What time I am afraid? Not if I ever get afraid, or I've never been afraid." David said, "What time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee." But there are times we get afraid. There are times we don't see clearly. There are times our faith is weak weaker than it should be and weaker than at other times. God has the help for us. God is the help for us. Go to His Word. Plant yourself in the Word of God and be still and know these God and hang on right there. And don't be moved to anything else. I'm closing with this scripture. This is towards the end of the Gospel of John. And I love the way this is written. John 20, 30, and 31. I'm just going to read it. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. I'm talking about faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. These are written, John says, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. It's all about faith, the word of God. And so when my faith, even as a believer, I believe in Christ. I've already believed in the Son of God, but I continue to believe in the Son of God. I got to believe Him on Monday morning and every day in the future. These things are written, okay? The Bible is written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through His name. He wants us to come to the Word. He has given us His Word for that specific person, that purpose, that a lost person will be saved the saved man will be strengthened in their faith. We have to believe in the Lord and trust in the Lord. I want you all to stand with me this morning. I just want us to see the, the, the goodness of God that he, he not only requires men to have faith, He provides what is needed, the testimony of Himself through His Word about the Holy Spirit, about the conscience and creation and things we looked at, he has required men to have faith in him and he enables men to have faith in him. When you're going out sharing the gospel with somebody, it's not impossible for them to be saved. They can be saved. They may not be. But it's not because God doesn't want them to be or not that he's, he's not working or he doesn't have the power or the gospel is not powerful enough or something like that. They may choose to not believe. So we got to pray that their hearts would be softened. But he has given a testimony of himself. He's going to begin to play, and I just want to read one more scripture. The altars are open. Come and pray. Ask, why don't we pray like the disciples? 
They said, Lord, increase our faith. <clears throat> Ask God to strengthen your faith in, in him. Ask him, maybe he's going to send you back to his word, okay? To be built up there in the word. The word of God would dwell in us richly, the Bible says. It needs to dwell in us richly. It doesn't just need to be something we hear and it cycles back out. It needs to dwell in us richly. And that is his answer for a lack of faith. That is his answer when we pray, Lord, increase my faith. He's not just going to zap me with a magic wand. I'm not saying he won't touch our hearts. I'm saying he was going to, I believe he's going to lead us back to the Bible. And he's going to feed us there. And we're going to feast upon him there. And we're going to trust him. And then we're going to step out and obey the word. We're going to find him to be faithful. This is just an example of testing God and finding him faithful. In Malachi, in the Old Testament, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Our tithes, okay? Because they have been withholding their tithes. And he said they were robbing God. Bring them. Bring the tithes to the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. If I will not open you the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. And so what is he saying? He goes on to, to be more specific, but saying, try me, test me. Believers, test him, not just in tithing, but in every area of life. Step out on the promises of God, when thus saith the Lord. Step out and put it in your life. Step out there like walking on a plank, about to jump in the ocean. And guess what? He's going to extend it further. And you're going to keep walking on this plank and, and find that God's upholding you. And it's a walk of faith. He says, try me and see if I won't do this for you. He's going to do it for us. And Father, we love you. And we thank you that, God, if you didn't help us to believe, we would be unbelievers. We'd be dead in our sins and trespasses. But you have borne witness to our spirits and our hearts and minds that Jesus is the Christ, that we're sinners, that you're the Savior of the world, that you died and rose again. That you're, our Redeemer is faithful and true, and you, you saved us, God. And since you've saved us, you've strengthened our faith. And we're asking this morning, God, that you would build us up even more in the faith. And we would step out in the Word of God, the promises of God, and find our Savior to be faithful and true. Help us this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.